Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. God, as we open your word together this morning, and we have come gathered as your body to worship in this place, we ask for this reminder that it will take root in our hearts that you will be exalted that you and you alone are God. So often we put our trust and our hope in things that are not God, things that are not you. And so we ask this morning, as we have gathered, that we can return to you with our hearts, that we can rest in you, that we can be still, knowing that you are our fortress, knowing that you are in control. That while nations are in uproar, you, you are God. Pray this in your name. Amen. I was reading that psalm a couple times this week, and uh, it has uh, been one of my favorites for a long time. And um, we sang it today, and I wanted you to hear it too. Also, children, you're dismissed. <laughs> They're so smart. They know that I'm going to forget. <laughs> Parents are like, just go. He's good. He's... Uh, I apologize for that. But um, we're in Nehemiah today, um, as we have been for this fall. And we will be mostly in Nehemiah chapters 9 and 10, a little bit in chapter 8. Um, Pastor Jim skipped chapter 9 last week. And so... Um, so I'm left to pick up the pieces, I guess. Uh, no, um, but but it really works out well because chapters really chapters eight through ten are are a section. They're they're one larger section of of scripture, and so we're going to spend some time really in chapters nine and ten. Uh, we're not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to survey these these couple chapters here and. and um, I'm not going to have a Thanksgiving message for you today because even though our Thanksgiving dinner is tonight, 
uh, Pastor Jim is going to do, it's, it's sort of this, when it's on Thursday, what do you do? You know, you do it the week before, the week after. So Jim's going to have uh, some words on Thanksgiving next week, but um, we'll talk about it a little bit today. And I want to reiterate what Kyle said. If you uh, did not get a ticket, I know how that works sometimes where maybe you think your spouse is going to buy the ticket and your spouse thinks you're going to buy the ticket and then no one buys the ticket. We encourage you to come. There, we'll, we'll make room. It's always good. We just love to gather together um, tonight and, and to have some great food and to be grateful as a family together. Um, and we have been collecting food for uh, Food Lifeline this, this month. So tonight's the last night to bring food sort of as a way of being grateful that we have been collecting food and we're going to give that to Food Lifeline this week. So make sure if you haven't had a chance to bring some food in, stop by on your way here, pick up some groceries and um, donate them. We'll, we'll donate those to those in need. Okay, so uh, let's, be, let's jump back. It's been a couple of weeks uh, since, we, since we looked at Nehemiah chapter 8. And so... I want us to just real quick talk about what's happening in chapter 8, and then this will lead us into chapters 9 and 10. So, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. When the seventh month came, actually this is the end of chapter 7. When the seventh month came, and all the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled with one accord in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So, on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon, as he faced the square before the water gate, in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. So, uh, remember we talked about this a few weeks ago, that they, they gather together and Ezra stands up and from daybreak until noon, he just reads to them from the book of the law, which would be what we have as Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, he, he reads to them. Uh, how would you guys like to do that for church one week? Come in, you come in at like 6 a.m. or whenever the sun comes up. Um, and we just we just stand and we and we read and, and they stood the whole time. So maybe maybe next week. Yeah. No. OK. We'll think about it. Uh, Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood uh, a bunch of people stood next to him. Um, Pastor Jim read that last time and I was, I was impressed. That's that's good. Um, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Uh, And then jumping down to verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. 
And instead, Nehemiah says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so here's what here's what was happening. So they gathered together on the first day of the month, first day of the seventh month. And Ezra stands up to read the law to them and they read and they hear this law. And these are people who have not been living according to this law. They have they have turned their hearts away from God. And and so they're hearing these words and they are convicted of their sin. They've they're convicted of the way that they and their and their ancestors before them have have strayed away from the path of God. And so this when you see that they were weeping, it's because they understood that the their, the exile that they have just returned from and all the hardships that they're experiencing are a result of their, their lack of faith, their, their inability to follow after this, this law that is being read to them. And so they, so they begin to weep and they're, and they're just uh, heartbroken for what they, they recognize, the, their awareness of their sin. But, but Nehemiah comes and says, Do, don't, no, today, today is a day for rejoicing. Uh, go home, celebrate, have a feast. Uh, give to those who don't have anything prepared. Let, this, this is the time that we together are going to celebrate. Because this is the time where we are rededicating ourselves to the service of the Lord. And so, and so they do this. They, they go and they celebrate. They, they celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, which we talked about in my Sunday school last week, is probably my favorite of the, uh, favorite of the feasts, because it's basically like God says, go camping for a week. Um, if you read about it, he it says, you, you, you were wandering in the wilderness, and now you're, you have homes, and I've, I've brought you into this land. But once a year, go and move out into temporary, temporary shelters for a week. And remember that you were once wandering in the wilderness and that I brought you. And so uh, if you ever go camping, just, you know, you're, you're celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, but they do this. So they, they, they go and, and instead of mourning, they go and they celebrate and they have this feast and, and it's lasting for days. And then as this draws to an end, we, it was where we pick up today in chapter 9. On the 24th day... Of the same month. So 24 days later, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law, the Lord their God, for a quarter of the day. And spent another quarter in confession and worshiping the Lord their God. And so after 24 days, after they've had this moment of just celebration of, of returning and, and the wall being rebuilt and rededicating themselves. Now they come back and they say, OK, now it's time for us to confess. Now it's time for us to bring our, our sins before the Lord and, and have a time of repentance. And so they come before the Lord and, and this is what's happening in chapter nine is that the people have come, returned together as a community and said, now we will repent. And so we have for a quarter of the day, they spend reading the law again. And then another quarter of the day they spend in both confession and worship. 
of God. Um, And I just want to read bits and pieces of what they say as they begin this this time of confession. Said verse. This is uh, halfway through verse five here. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him. Verse 9, you saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of the land. Verse 11, you divided the sea before them. Verse 13, you came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right. You made known to them your holy Sabbath. And, and we move through the story and the people are retracing. This is something you see a lot throughout the Old Testament. Uh, this retracing of the story of Israel and even into the New Testament. And so they're re- retelling their story, but they're specifically retelling the action of God for them on their behalf through this story. Saying, God, you in your graciousness and your, in your compassion have come and interceded for us. You, you chose Abraham. You made us into a nation. You brought us out of Egypt. You brought us into this land. Here is all of the ways that you, God, have blessed us. You have watched over us. You have cared for us. You have given yourself to us. You, 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 you. And then in verse 16, but they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked and did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them. Even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt, or when they committed awful blasphemies. Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not cease to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become become swollen. And this, this, we'll we'll stop there, but this is really what chapter 9 looks like. And, and the rest of chapter 9 is, is this story unfolding. God, you have done this for us. You watched over us. You cared for us. You brought us out of Egypt. You protected us. You provided for us. But we rejected you. We turned. Our ancestors 
did not respond, uh, but instead followed after idols. Our ancestors did not respond to, the, to your graciousness, but instead chose their own way. And this is the confession of the people of Israel. God, you have been gracious and compassionate. You have cared for us. You have provided. We have rejected. We have turned away. It's a story of God's continued faithfulness despite their continued disobedience. And so, uh, just this, that one verse in the end of verse 17 But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. This is the story that they tell again and again and again. God, you you are gracious and compassionate. You are slow to anger, uh, despite where we have gone astray. This is our story as well. And uh, just as throughout the Old Testament... This story, as you read through, you can read through the Psalms, you read through different places where this story is retold again and again. They say, God, this is our, this is our, our story as a nation. Uh, this is what we've done. Uh, as we move to the New Testament, we see um, our own story. And so uh, we see, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, the Apostle Paul specifically retells... Um, the story of God's people. And he does it uh, several times. And Ephesians chapter 2 is perhaps the most concise and the most clear. And so we're going we're gonna to focus on that one. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we are dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And Paul retells our story. He retells the story of not just Israel, but of humanity. That we were all disobedient. That we all chose idolatry. We all chose our own path over God's path. We all chose disobedience. But in verse 4 he says, But 
because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. And in the same way that in Nehemiah chapter 9, we have this turn of the story of Israel and their continued disobedience. And we have this, but you, God, are rich in compassion and kindness, slow to anger. We have here, but you, God, slow to anger, rich in mercy, has made us alive in Christ. And this is the story. This is the story I think we need to tell to ourselves in the same way that Israel retold this story again and again and again and again, we need to tell ourselves this story. We need to tell one another this story again and again and again. But God, rich in mercy, has made us alive together in Christ. That, that it doesn't matter what it is that you have done. It doesn't matter your disobedience. It doesn't matter who you are. That God is for you. And this is the story that we see in Nehemiah. And this is the story that we see here in Ephesians. That no matter what the people have done, God is pursuing them. God is always there ready to forgive. Rich in mercy. Patient, compassionate, loving, forgiving. This is the God that we talk about. This is the God that we are here to worship. And oftentimes, I think what happens, and and I know this happens for me, and I assume this happens for for not just me, uh, but we, sometimes we can get a picture of a God who is just waiting for us to mess up. Who's just sort of lurking on the edges And as soon as we take a misstep, as soon as we uh, kind of stray from what he's he's ready to pounce, he's ready to to judge and and to to bring judgment on us. And so and we we have this God that we uh, maybe are afraid that we're going to offend him and we're going to. And and yet the story of Scripture is a God uh, gracious and compassionate, a God who pursues us. Um, I love, one of my favorite hymns is, is the hymn, Come Thou Fount. And there's this, the line that is my, my favorite line within the, within the hymn is, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Um, and this, this is true, isn't it? My, I, when I, every time I sing those words, I know this to be true about myself. That I'm prone to wander. And what we, what we read about in Nehemiah and what we read about here in Ephesians is a God who as we begin to wander and stray just is ready to pull us back. And as we begin now to turn over, he pulls us back. And we begin to stray over here and he pulls us back. This is the kind of God that we worship. And I want you to hear today, I want you to hear and to know this to be true about God. That He is for you. That He loves you. That He is a God 
who longs to forgive whatever it is that you've done. And we, uh, maybe, maybe you've grown up hearing this message and you've, and you've accepted it and you've believed it, and you, but it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to lose sight of this sort of God. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Even when we were dead in our sins. It's not, okay, you're, you're in your sin. Once you kind of work on this sin over here and work on that sin and kind of get those things figured out, then, okay, God says, I'm ready to forgive you now that you've kind of taken care of this one and that one. It's not, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm at least working on it, God, and that now can I be forgiven? No, it's when we were in our sins, before we have done anything for God, He forgives. This is what grace is about. Uh, by grace you have been saved. Not by works. Not by works, not by anything you do, but by the grace of God. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.13, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And I want you to hear those words this morning. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. I want you to hear and just let those words become a part of your story today. When you think about the ways that you have maybe felt like you've let God down and to know that when we are faithless, He is faithful. He does not leave us. The problem is not on His end. The problem is on our end. And, and do we return to this God who is ready and willing to run to us with open arms. Turn back to Nehemiah chapter 9. The people come before and they confess their sins. They confess their story, the story of their of their ancestors, um, but also of them of themselves. And in Nehemiah chapter nine, verse thirty-eight, we have this transition. Verse thirty-eight says, "In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it." And then we have this list of all the people, uh, the Levites and the leaders of the people who, who sign their names. And here's what they say. The rest of the people, priests, verse 28, the rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring people for the sake of the, Lord, the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who are able to understand. All these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God given 
through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of our Lord. And then we move through, as, as chapter 10 continues, they move through and they say, here are the things that we commit ourselves to do. Here are the ways that we who have strayed, who have, who have pursued idols and worshipped other gods, here are the ways that we now commit to you, our God, that we will be faithful today. And we are signing our names to it and we're saying, today, we as a people are committing to following after you. And I love that, I love that phrase at the end of chapter 9. In view of all this, we are making an agreement. And this is what I want us to, to think on today. Um, as we think of the love that God has for us, as we remember and hear that when we are faithless, He remains faithful. In view of that, how do we respond? Um, I'm going to ask you to turn back to Ephesians. I know I just had you leave there. Um, but Ephesians, uh, Paul lays out this, this truth, this reality. That God is faithful, that God is for us, that God is, is offering forgiveness and redemption. And then in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, Paul is, is writing from prison. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And he continues in three chapters, chapters four, five and six, he says, OK, in view of this, in view of what God has done, I urge you to live a life worthy of this calling that God has placed upon you. To respond to this grace by living your lives in such a way uh, that you live out the life that God has given you. That you respond with gratitude and humility. That you live for one another. That you live as though this is true in your life. That God has forgiven you and that God is reconciling the world to himself. Live as though this is true. Do not live for yourself any longer. Do not choose uh, these other ways. Do not choose selfishness, but live uh, in response to the grace of God. In view of all this, respond to this grace. Uh, and that, this is what I want us to think on today. First of all, to hear that God is faithful. And then what does it mean for us going forward? Because God has been faithful to us. God will remain faithful to us. How do we respond to his faithfulness? How do we respond? And so I want to give you just one task. And here's what we'll talk about Thanksgiving a little bit. Uh, this, I don't know about you, but in our family, uh, growing up and, and even today in our family on Thanksgiving, we take some time to to share and to, to reflect, to think about what are we thankful for? It's kind of the point, right? Thanksgiving. Um, it's not just about football and food, um, as good as that is. But we take time to think and to remember what is it that God has done for us this year? 
How are we thankful? How has he blessed us? What has he been doing in our lives? Um, what, is, what is it that we're thankful for? And, and so we do this. But I, what I want to encourage you to do this year, if you do this in your family, if you don't do this in your family, maybe you should start. Um, but what I want to encourage you to do this year is as you share with your family and friends how you are thankful, I want you to then think about how will you live in response to that thing that God has done for you. What is it that you need to change about your life? What is it you need to do moving forward to say, this is how God has worked in my life, and here's how I want to respond. In view of this, here's where we go next. Um, Oftentimes, we, we kind of just settle in that Thanksgiving attitude. And, and what happens with that is that uh, we're thankful for a day, maybe, and then Friday comes and we think of all the things, you know, it's, it's Christmas time, right? So we think of all the things we need, right? Um, and, and, we, and we quickly can shift from that, from that idea of gratitude just towards the next thing. Towards the, towards the next item on the agenda, towards the next list. And so as we think about, maybe, maybe what it is is you're thankful for, you're just thankful for your family. And so as a response to that, you can say, I'm going to invest more into my family over the next month. I'm going to say no to these other things because I am grateful for the family that I have and I want to invest more into them. I, I don't know what it is that, that you're thankful for this year. Um, on Wednesday night, we'll gather together and we'll have some time of sharing where we, as a church, share those things. But I want to encourage you, as, as you think about what it is that you're thankful for, what do you do in view of all of this? How do you live as a response to the way that God has blessed you? So that's my challenge. It's my encouragement to you this week. Uh, be thankful. Be thankful. Because we have a God who loves us so much. Uh, if you have nothing else that you can think of to be thankful for this, this year, uh, you have a God who loves you. A God who is for you. Uh, be thankful. And as you are thankful, uh, in view of that, live for Him. Give your lives to Him. Respond to Him. Let's pray. Father, we are just overwhelmed by your goodness, by your grace, by your love and compassion. Again, Lord, those words uh, to me are so true, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. And yet you are a God who is always, always there. Always faithful, even when we are faithless. And so we just say thank you. We thank you for this gift of life in you. And we ask now that you will show us how we can respond in view of all this. Hope you can come back tonight and join us for a great meal. Um, 
and uh, bring some food for, for us to donate. And join us again on Wednesday night for our Thanksgiving Eve service. We'll have a time again as a family to to share those things that God has been doing in our lives. And I just uh, pray and hope for you this week that you uh, may know the love of our God. May you know the grace of our God. May you be still and know that he is God. May the grace and peace of that God be with you.